0: You're listening to More Than This, the podcast where Christian faith and reason explore reasons for Christian faith. Up and down, in and out, like the of... If you enjoy our show, please consider supporting us for as little as $1 a month on Patreon. Check out our site at www.patreon.com forward slash more than this pod. Thank you. Have you ever thought about why it is that we walk around in bodies? What are bodies for? And what do they tell us about the purpose of living? In this episode called Let's Get Physical, we talk about what faith might have to say that is redemptive about our bodies. Enjoy.
1: Hello listeners, welcome back to another episode of More Than This. Um, This is the second in a two-part series where we're going to talk about oh, talk about, develop, pontificate on a theology of the body. What does it mean? What do bodies mean? Physical bodies and how are they meant to be used, and how should we think about them uh, within Christianity? So, um, I have a lot of personal thoughts about this, but I'm going to turn it over to Dave to talk a little bit about maybe the history of Christian thought or some broader trends that may influence us and how we think about bodies.
0: Thanks, Kate. You're welcome, David. Happy to be here. Um, No, this is really, this is going to be an interesting episode and something that is sorely lacking in the Christian landscape, especially in North America, Uh, has been for quite some time, I think, as well. The idea of, like, what are bodies for, why do we have a body, and how to sort of understand God and the world through our body. And I think we've had sort of a uh adversarial relationship uh across time, so Kate and I were talking before we started recording this episode, and you know we're we're always captive to culture you know people look at the way the way the Bible was written and it's written so long ago, and we kind of think you know in some versions of thinking that scripture is inerrant and perfect, you almost get the idea that it was culture free, but that's not true, you know it was written in this sort of like Hellenistic period or something, you know, where there was a lot of Greek and Roman thought in, involved and in, has a lot of Greek ideals of the body that were picked up pretty early on in different sects of Christianity. Actually, Did you some,
1: say sex of Christianity or sect?
0: Let's talk about S-E-C-T-S, baby. Yes, Kate just wants to talk. Uh, sing Let's Talk About Sex. But I
1: do. I'll, I'll find a way to bring it in you later. You could
0: bring it in as a parody and just make it about religious cults, uh, you know, different factions.
1: If if you give me the puns and the background to do it, I'll sing it. I'll be the voice to your message. Anyways, uh, Dave, Hellenistic philosophy I and just, culture. I just
0: thought about Sir Mixaclod. My anaconda don't want none unless you got puns, hon.
1: Wah, wah.
0: Yep, terrible. Anyhow, so one of the things that sort of has been a stand-in for Christian understanding of the body throughout history has kind of come back. Is uh, the Platonic dualism, the idea of the sacred and the profane, and how the body and spirit are different. The spirit belongs to eternity, and the body is sort of defiled and corrupt and belongs to the earth and just this life.
1: Can I just stop you there for one second? You said that that was Platonic, and I know you're gonna get there, but I'm like, yeah, sounds about right. That's how I've heard people talk about the body. Isn't that what the Bible says? Go on. I just wanna point out that that, I'm like, yeah, that's jiving with me.
0: It's not all of what the Bible says, for sure.
1: Well, right. That's but, what I'm saying. But, yeah. Yeah.
0: But it, it's so common sense uh, to a lot of people who are raised in, actually, yeah, I think uh, we don't, we tend to think of the body as sort of, you know, defiled and the place where disease and contamination and it's sin. the flesh. The, the flesh, even talking about fleshly desires, it's kind of like, ooh, those are bad. Yeah. Yeah, we kind of know. So we have this either or, there's this distinction Um, about the body and physical things. And that came from a lot of Greek philosophy and was carried forward in the early, one of the rivals of the early church, uh, the the philosophy of, or theology of Gnosticism. So that's uh, G-N-O-S-T-I-C-I-S-I-M or ISM. I can't remember. I can't spell very well out loud. I should have just read it off my notes. Um, Was an early heresy or rival to what became sort of a pure Christian doctrine or the sort of doctrine that won the day. And that that really picked this up as well and has a whole weird backstory or cosmology about how creation happened. And basically physical bodies were like just a kind of a, a almost like a miscarriage. Like they, something went wrong in the world of the deities and Humans were created because something went wrong. We we're a we we're a bad byproduct of a, a bad, you know, process of the gods and creating things. We were an imperfect form of life that wasn't supposed to happen. So the bodies that came with that are also like bad and accursed. <clears throat> this is this is interesting, Kate. You'll there's early one of the things that's written about in the New Testament, uh, I think that I think Paul is alluding to, there was a practice, it was a little bit after him as well. That probably it was after him. I know in Corinth, one of my friends wrote some work on this. They had they actually had temple prostitution where people were going to the temple and like the temple employed women to have sex with men as part of their worship service. Uh, and this was the idea behind Gnosticism. The body and the spirit were so separate that you could go and, tr- be triumphant and have sex with your body and still that had no impact on your spirit whatsoever because the spirit you know there's a part of you whether you call it the spirit or the soul or whatever else that's like is meant for eternity and is completely different so you can see where the confusion would begin about that big there's basically a big disconnect we'll say so that's my little my little overview my spiel
1: so when I was sort of poking fun or saying like, "Hey, wait, was that Plato or the Bible?" Um, there's some overlaps there, but clearly, there's different. I think we would find that there's differences, right, between some of that message seeped in, and I think still influences this idea of like the separation of the the body and and the spirit.
0: Well, you can find it in Paul, right? Even like you know, I, I punish my body, I beat my body down, like yeah, you know I mean to sort of bring it into submission. You know, there's a little bit of like war, you know, going on between what you want to do and what your body wants to do in the flesh.
1: Yeah, flesh. That's like the flesh like the flesh is just I remember that word in my childhood, like the world and the flesh, like you don't want to be of the world, fleshly desires, like those things kinda of went together the like
0: lust, the flesh, the eyes and the pride of life.
1: Yeah. Look at look at that Bible. Oh, he's bring back the Bible quid just knowledge, folks. Um but you know, so that's kind of influencing this idea of bodies being, you know, dirty or somehow inherently kind of icky and that we live on a spiritual plane or that we're called to something deeper and higher. Deeper and higher, can you put those two things together?
0: Deep and wide, I don't know, so yeah, I don't the think children's you can go, song we were taught.
1: Yeah, I don't think you can go deeper and higher, but in any case that there's a spiritual realm and you know, this is the second part in an ep- uh second part in a series where we're kind of talking about what do christians think about bodies what they're used for kind of i don't know just just we've been calling it like a theology of the body like what are we supposed to do what are we called to do with our bodies what purpose do they serve um and obviously we know that there are certain i mean our bodies we need bodies to reproduce we need bodies i've heard have you heard the language before of like your body is like a case for your soul like you need this physical body but then when you go to heaven you're gonna like be free like do you hear that language used sometimes like we're gonna be free of this physical body because our, our bodies decompose you know they they break down as you get older if you're sick like there's some limitations because we're living in a fallen world our bodies, probably as they are right now, are not as God originally maybe intended them to be before sin entered the world. Does that seem like a fair?
0: So you you basically have the view that the body is the OtterBox case on your phone <laughs> that you like you feel you're like, eh, I can give it to my three year old and they can drop it or throw it in the bathtub or whatever. It's got a good case on it. Doesn't matter, you know. Like the the case is protecting it. The thing that's important is is, is inside and it's fine. It's like, we can kind of treat our bodies, you can take it to the extreme, right? And you can be like, doesn't matter. We can do whatever we want with our bodies, right? Because the important thing is our soul. So live, live like hell and, and still go to heaven or whatever you hear and sort of, yeah.
1: You are like the king of the phrases, Dave. Live like hell and go to heaven. Is that, did you just make that up or have you heard that before?
0: I, I might, I think I've heard it before, but. Uh, might not, be an
1: original Dave. I
0: was going to say, you, you're not Queen of the phrases, because that's that's a funny way of saying it. you're like you're a king of the phrases. Like I would have, you know, like the the queen of the phrases would have a good pithy encapsulation of that. That just was that made me laugh. I'm king of the phrases, though. I like it.
1: That's what I'm here for, Dave, to make you laugh. That's king king of the phrases, king of the phrases and the puns. Um, and- Ju- juicy, <laughs> gabful. Um, can I? I think so. We have this idea within Christianity that there's a soul or there's something deeper, and I think they're actually is something to that idea that like you're going to live on after this body like this body is not all that there is to you and but our culture i would say like modern um, uh probably culture i would imagine since the beginning of time has kind of put a lot of emphasis on looks and the body and you know we experience life through i mean you know clearly our we have sex with our bodies which is a pretty big driving force for has been for all of humanity we reproduce you know that's how we reproduce um pleasure like you know when we eat um uh th- that obviously you need a physical body to do that there's just a lot of things and so i think that would i don't know if you think it would be fair to say that in our culture our modern western european american culture i mean i don't know i can't speak for all but there's this emphasis on body and what it looks like, and the performance of the body, and maintaining your body, and you know, Botox, and what
0: the identity aspect of the body, yeah, like equating it with who you are and what you're worth, right? Is that kind of what yeah. you're getting yeah, 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 at? Yeah, that's the way I'm hearing it,
1: yeah. And like, preserve, we spend a lot of money. I don't have the figures in front of me, but I know we spend like a ton of money on preserving the way our bodies look or working towards that, um, and working towards health, you know, like what Dave, you're making a funny. Yeah, I, I agree.
0: I agree with you. I just think I'm, I'm sitting here and I have a Coke open in front of me. So I'm like, uh-huh. I do a lot toward that, <laughs> but I also go to the gym. So we're weird.
1: <laughs> well, so, you know, again, I have, okay. I guess that's kind of a We gave an overview, right? Of what we think people think about bodies or kind of this duality that we live in. Like we've got a spiritual thing and then we've got a physical um, presence. And I'm just curious growing up, in like your the kind of church and community that you grew up in, what messages did you get about your body, and how did that kind of change as you grew? Like, what what did you hear about your body? It's nice that you're a man and I'm a woman, so we'll get two perspectives here.
0: You know, I don't think I heard relatively that much that was specifically tied to the body. I mean, a lot of it was about sex, you know, and you heard about the value of work. But there wasn't even a good theology of work in the body because most work does require the body in some way or another, at least the brain, you know, so the brain is part of the body as well, obviously. So I didn't hear I didn't hear a lot, honestly, about the body per se. You
1: didn't get messages about your? Did you get messages about your body?
0: Oh, I was a fat kid. So, I mean, like, you know, not direct messages, but just sort of like I would get, you know, poked fun of a little bit by peers and, you know, I was a little overweight or whatever. So I mean, that would be toward sort of the physical representation and status within the hierarchy of whatever culture you're in, whatever is desirable, you know.
1: Did you get mess- so do you think you got messages from your church about what it was to have a body that was, you know, a little chubby? Or was it from popular culture or it was
0: people at the church. It wasn't like official pronouncements okay. on weight. Honestly, I think this was a real kind of dead zone in terms of our theology. We we didn't really have a developed one. You know, like if you talked about doctrine of salvation or theology of salvation, we had that in spades. And the, by implications, the body had implications by a lot of other things. So again, talking about, you know, the body being something that's just going away and is sort of worth less. It was kind of, you know, I've said this before, what is one of the things churches love to do? I'm not saying eating is bad, but we would get together and have potlucks and we would have all kinds of ungodly food. And you know, I mean, people would have had a heart attack a month before and we're like feeding them fried chicken and like, you know, whatever else. And it's like, oh, it's fine. You know, like, uh, so we weren't that concerned about the longevity of the body in a lot of ways because it's 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 a rental car, right? Nobody washes a rental car, there's limits to it. So you can kind of,
1: why polish the brass on a sinking on ship? On a sinking ship. The little Dwight L. Moody for you. I I got some sayings too, Dave.
0: D. L. Moody. Yeah, yeah we, those are both repeats from our uh, one of the other episodes we had.
1: Thanks, Dave, for pointing out that my phrases are repeats. Thanks. Well,
0: well mine was too. Okay, fair we, enough. We both we used both of those. We're, we talked about heaven, I think.
1: Well, so, but the the message holds. I mean, this kind of actually like that kind of relates here like if you think that you're you know earth is just you're you're just passing through to get to heaven and heaven's going to be completely different and there's not going to be like a physical reality really there you're going to be strumming a harp in a cloud which you know we talk about that more in the heaven episode that we don't think that's actually yeah. the case or what heaven is going to be like but if that's the general idea you have um
0: and, and there's also the idea that we probably didn't refute uh, the underlying because whenever The thing I'm coming to more and more, Kate, and I think we talk about more and more, this has been a good fruit of this podcast for me, is that um, whenever you don't have a developed theology of something, as much as the evangelical church is against quote unquote the world and secular thought, whenever you don't have a developed theology, you just sort of are unreflectively probably taking in what the culture around you says for, for better or worse. And you have no vantage point by which to really critique it if you don't do the work. And the other prevailing concept that we usually start talking about, but prevailing concepts of the body, is it is a place to receive, right? It is a place to receive pleasure. It is a place to receive compliments, flattering looks, a place to adorn. I'm not saying this is all bad, but that view of the body also implies a certain view of why we are here as well, what the purpose of life is. And this is where we're going to get to when we talk about what would a theology of the body look like. It has, it has to be rooted in a positive notion of what we are made for, what life is for fundamentally. If your body, your concept of the body has no connection to what we're made for, that's weird. And you can work backwards if you have an overly sensual uh, culture that's about acquiring all the experiences and I think about it right now, and this is, I'm as guilty of this as anybody, but you know, we have foodies, right? You know, like, oh, we have HGTV and Food Channel or Food Network or whatever it is. And people are like, you know, it's all about experiences. It's not about material things, right? You're hearing this more and more. And it's all about piling up experiences. And I like experiences, but the purpose of life is always going to be captive to the next experience you haven't had yet, you know? It raises a standard for what your body is entitled to. When you have food and being a foodie, it makes the point of life and the point of happiness, you know, how good the food is, where it's prepared, how rare it is, like, you know, who made it, all of these kind of weird things. And if you have a dominant view of the body as something that is there to receive uh, pleasure, compliments, experiences, it certainly can, and there has to be a place for that. But if it's if you don't have a real understanding of what we're here for, why we're on Earth, then it sort of gets filled in for you, right? That we're just meant to acquire experiences to be hedonists, basically. Mm-hmm.
1: So you took it up a couple notches, and I think we should want to go Hell back there. Yes. I think we want to go. Um, I want to go back there, but I have to start in order for me to get to. Kind of this idea of what are we here for, like, because that's the ultimate question. Like, what is our, what is, what are we here for, and how does our body serve part of that, right? Like that mission that we have. I think that to your point about maybe evangelical or Christianity or whatever, um, accepting the messages of the culture, maybe like kind of retrofitting them a little bit, but more or less accepting them. And again, I can't speak to every man's experience or every woman's, but I can speak to my experience as a woman in the church. I got a message. Kind of competing messages, like quite a bit of like, be careful about exposing your body because you it's, it's a weapon. Like your body, your body is like a young woman was almost like weaponized. Like you could cause your brother to stumble, and you got to kind of protect them. But also, I will say <laughs> this too: what what?
0: I just had an naughty. I was like, I was thinking of weapons of mass destructions, and I was thinking weapons of mass erections. But uh, <sighs> terrible, nah, nah. terrible. That's like
1: I make that noise a lot in response to you, Dave. Um, but. I I will say this about growing up. I was never you kind of you know how when you're in high school you kind of fall into categories, right? Like there's the really pretty girls, there's the smart girls, there's the the strata, yeah, there's the social strata. So I was never in. There were like always girls that were much prettier than me and had much more like developed or 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 like better bodies than I did, right? Like that wasn't the niche that I filled. But so I think that I I never. I did understand that I wasn't supposed to dress too provocatively. Kate. What?
0: I have to inter—I have to interrupt. Can I d- derail us for a second? Yeah. This is appropriate for the body episode. Please tell the Thailand phys ed story.
1: Oh, gosh. So, so I was an exchange student when I was in high school to, to Thailand, a rotary foreign exchange student, and it's super hot in Thailand, especially if you're moving there from Eagle River, Wisconsin. And so in my class, we had gym once a week, and the first week I went to this really – this private all Thai girl's school and Thai people are very different about how they would like, um, change clothes in front of people, which I learned really quickly. So they shut the doors to our classroom and all the girls are going to change into their gym outfits. And all I can think is I cannot wait to be in my bra underwear for a minute. Like I'm so hot. This is going to be amazing. So I immediately, you know, high school locker room, in the united states you know for after soccer practice type thing strip off all my clothes all the girls run into the quarter screaming covering their eyes because i have just like horrified them and this little girl came this girl in my class comes over and she's like that is not how we change you change underneath your clothes like basically you don't expose anything and i was but, like but, oh my gosh but
0: kate remember the uh english translation uh, this is how you told me a story years ago we don't want to see your nakedness. Yeah, we
1: don't want to see your nakedness. That's exactly what she said. I was like, ego boost. Thanks a lot. You do not want to see my nakedness, duly noted. Um, But anyways, so I didn't feel, Um, anyways, I I actually think, so I knew I was supposed to cover my body and I, uh, without getting too much into it, at the same time that I felt like I wasn't like the hottest or in that social strata. The guys that I dated were, like, pretty into me, so that worked out in my favor. Like, I didn't have a bad body image is what I'm trying to say. I actually felt, like, pretty adored and, and like, I was like, oh, this body is powerful. Like, this body has control. Uh, weapon of mass erections, Dave. Sorry. I'm just using your pun against you. I was a little bit of a weapon of mass erections. But in any case... Um, so on the one hand, I don't think I had shame. I think I had some pride or felt like, yeah, my body's like pretty cool. But on the other hand, I got these messages and I think this was not I, I wish this had been mediated more by evangelical culture. Um, and it wasn't. I think it was a straight cultural message. Like there is one way that women are supposed to look. And for white American women, it is like big boobs, small stomach, tall, like there's just kind of this ideal. I think it's different for within different cultural milieus, like what the attractiveness is, but it was like pretty thin. And uh, Dave, you've met me before. I'm pretty short and I've never... Uh, I think I have been described as as stocky. Volu- I prefer voluptuous, plump, but I've never been a thin person. And now, when I look back on it, actually, I was not a fat person either. Like no. I look back, I played sports, I did all these things, but I did not have a body. I was like quite healthy, but I did not have a body that fit the the mold. And I always felt sort of a pressure. Like, and my parents are like, were wonderful and valued me so deeply as like in a, as an in, like. Uh, a spiritual person, intellectually, like I was just so ridiculously loved. It's like crazy, but there was a there was pressure from them. I'm not gonna lie, that I should look a certain way, or I was always trying to lose weight. I think I got it from my mom. Like my mom was a really beautiful woman. She was not an overweight woman. She was always trying to lose weight. So very quickly on, I got the message about my body again, probably mostly from culture, but 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 not mediated or contradicted in in a way from evangelical culture that as a woman. Part of what makes your, gives you value and worth is you should be spiritual and you should, you can be smart, you can be all those things, but your body is really important and you better keep that thing looking the way that it should. And this is the way it should look.
0: Yeah. That's, and there's so much to unpack there because the excesses of this have made it impossible, I think, to not attach weight loss with a certain prize, right? Like, I've, this is, um, you know, even the idea, I don't know what it is among, well, I, there are corollaries among men to having a six pack, you know, whatever, there's different muscles and things that you can get and develop that are supposed to be developed, uh, which is why you see guys with huge upper bodies and skinny legs walking around, although CrossFit is trying to see an end to that. Now everybody just has back injuries from poor form.
1: <laughs> they just have rheumatitis, r- rheumatoid, what is that? R- when-
0: rheumatoid arthritis yeah rhombus a,
1: rhombus is when your oh, muscles oh, break oh, down
0: oh, oh oh is that what it is i, don't I, I knew
1: know. a word dave didn't know r- r- mark the day rhombus is uh
0: a, a, oh, Lord, a, a geometric form right isn't it Are you thinking about rhomboids
1: i'm thinking about something that starts with an r that has to do when your muscles break down i thought i was winning here dave but in any case dave so i don't know crossfit but, is but, keeping it real
0: but it, it it is now to the point where it's really hard to have a conversation about somebody cuz i do think in some ways what is inside comes out in the body as well so if somebody you know is carrying a lot of weight for them that might represent something about their internal state as well but it doesn't mean that they're ever going to meet a physical ideal of the popular culture so i i think that it's really hard one of my my friends this is she talked about she was really Overweight for quite a while, and then she had this time where she just sort of got healthier across the board, and she lost like forty pounds. And she wasn't stick thin; she suddenly didn't look like a supermodel. But all of her family said, "Like you're so much different now, and you were carrying a lot in that weight." It's like it's made it basically really hard to divorce the idea of healthy weight from attractiveness and sort of getting a trophy of having be cons- considered being having quote unquote, good body, right? So it's it's just, it's gotten confusing for the medical community too, because how do you talk about things that will actually make your life better longevity wise and keep it from breaking down because weight is related to that, but we've made weight much more about attractiveness, right?
1: Right, than about health. And I we've talked about this. I promise we're gonna come back to like what, I, I think you do have to deal with a little bit of what's going on in the culture though to recognize yeah. how that's influencing what you think bodies are for, because well, you yes. could give a glib answer to that, but there's probably a deeper one if you if you're willing to go deeper. And I, Dave, you and I have talked before about like the body positivity movement. Uh-huh. Um, yes. And Lizzo, I, I'm not gonna lie, I'm a huge fan of Lizzo, and I'm gonna an explain. Uh, she's a hip hop artist. For those of you who might not know who she is, um, and she's. I think reluctantly she's like, well, fine. I was doing body positivity long before it was body positivity, but if that's what you want to call what I'm doing, okay. I don't think she sees herself. She, this is actually what I like about Lizzo. Lizzo herself would say, if you saw a picture of her, she's like a quite um, heavy set woman. She's a pretty large look. I don't even want to use the word fat because I'm like, you can't use that word. But she's a she's a larger woman, and I have seen interviews with her where I'm like, you go, girl, because she basically says, you know, people and. Uh, she plays the flute too which is really interesting and she's a hip hop artist and she's a great dancer and if you see her perform like if you've seen her concerts um she's just full of energy and you're like wow this woman is just like wearing the clothes she wants not big moos. she's wearing what she wants to wear stuff's hanging out um she's got makeup like she's just you can tell that she really cares about what she looks like and she's putting it out there and she's really vivacious and like full of life anyways when I've seen Heidi do do an interview on The Daily Show with Trevor Noah where she, he was like, oh, yeah, you're like the face of the body positivity movement. And she's like, look, Trevor, I don't understand. She's like, I think what really bugs people about me is that I'm out here clearly having a really good time and loving my life and living my life to the fullest and enjoying it. I'm not like hiding in a corner until I lose us until I look a certain way. To kind of put myself out there, she's like, I am just. Li-. She's like, I think that's what bugs people about me too. They either love it or hate it. They're like, who does she think she is to actually enjoy life looking like she does? And she's like, sorry, I do. Like, I, I, I don't know. And I, I, going on the Lizzo theme. I was talking to a, um, a close friend of mine who's a believer and who I actually think who's a Christian who I actually think has like really great like expansive view of what's attractive in women like I don't think he I think he's just like a really genuine like wonderful guy he's like oh man I saw Lizzo she did not look good I felt really bad for her like that she should not have been wearing that outfit she was wearing and I was like what's funny about that is I think Leo is uh, Lizzo is like I don't give a shit what you think I'm not out here for the male gaze like that's not what I'm here for and like I think that we're so conditioned oftentimes as women to think about, I'm getting on my soapbox here, Dave. I'm start talking about the patriarchy in a minute. I'm kidding. I'm not. I mean, I guess by default, I sort of am when I said male gaze. But basically, Lizzo is saying my body is for other things than just how it looks to men. That's not the standard that I'm right. Like that's not how I'm judging myself.
0: Yeah, and there's <clears throat> there's a lot here as well. And I don't want to go too far down this road because we need to get to what the body is actually for. Right, but right. But we're, we're kind of getting there. And yeah, I mean. I I think that the body body positive movement is pretty limited in its utility, uh, like in terms of especially sort of like putting women who are plus sized or you know not they're sort of non normative in terms of like what's usually on the cover of a magazine in skimpy clothes and whatever. Like I don't know if that really pushes things forward in terms of our understanding of the body, but at the same point, it's I mean. Yeah, I mean, not everybody's going to be a size whatever, fill in the blank, you know, and it's like, okay, and there are more important things that the body is for other than being attractive to any section of the population, male, female, or otherwise, and we all know that that's going to fade, right? I mean, Christy Brinkley is like one in 45 million who actually looks, you know, sort of normatively attractive in her 50s or 60s or whatever she is. She could be 80 and still look like she's 35. I don't know. Right, But most of us, you know, it's, it's that whole weird view of that, like, I can't remember what wave of feminism it was, where it was like, pornography and stripping are really, really powerful for women, right? Because you're holding men in sway, but it's like, you only hold them in sway as long as somebody wants to pay to look at you, and then you lose it. So you don't really own that forever. You rent it.
1: And I think, Dave, what, again to bring it back to what the theology of the body is for, I guess what I'm saying is there's been like swings and I'm, I'm trying to sort of place how we're thinking about this in swings and culture. So there's been a really, I think the general arc of human history, I'm going to guess that body positivity is pretty new. I'm not sure, but like there's been a gen, there's been different standards of what body should look like for men and women. Right. I I think in general, there's often like a broader spectrum of what's acceptable for men, but there is, we know, what's
0: right. This is in the cultural thing. I, I think that the corrective has not handled well is the message is you need to love your body as something, an individual separated aspect from yourself. And that's, because they're joined. That's just yeah. that's just weird. It's yeah. like, why do I have to love my body to love me? I have to like. They that's the other message. Like you have to love yourself, and I don't know if that's the right adjective. You have to not hate yourself, but I'm wondering. Well, I like, think
1: shame is what they're trying to get at too. Yes. But because I think again with the
0: but so, putting it taking it off that spectrum is what I'm saying. Like, yeah. Why? Why does there have to be pride or shame about the body? Is that the spectrum it's supposed to live on? What you're what you're supposed to feel about the body. Again, that implies something about what the body is for.
1: Agreed. And I think that, again, thinking about the the, the pendulum analogy, we don't want to swing so far as to say, like, your body's only important for, for looking a certain way, or to yeah. say on the other side of the pendulum, which might be, again, I still love me some Lizzo, and I think she's got great points, but I think that we don't want the pendulum to just swing too far the other way where we're like, It doesn't matter at all. Like you don't even have to, don't even work on this thing.
0: I once met a girl who wanted to date me and put like no effort into her appearance whatsoever. Like almost as a like social commentary. And she was like, you, and she would be mad and talk to me about the fact that guys didn't like her, you know, and she was like, you know, you should be, people should be in love with me for my mind like, as divorced from my body. Like, I should be able to wear whatever I want just to sort of adhere to social conventions and not get arrested, right? Like, we have to wear clothes. That's the law. So, I do that, but, like, it shouldn't matter. Like, what is attractive, you know, we should be dialed in on, like, a spiritual, like, cognitive level, and the body shouldn't matter. And I was like, that's weird. That's taking it to the extreme that you said, like, where you don't need to obsess over it, but, there is we are bodied beings we do walk around in this container so something about it matters and it's for something but it's not just for getting a man or getting clicks or likes or getting a a girl or getting the bros at the gym to ask you how you got your rock hard abs or whatever else um because all that all that can is fleeting can be taken away right right
1: and i think it's it's a temptation to put a lot of you know our culture puts a lot of value. Yeah. Puts value in those things. So it's easy. It's easy. I think, again, to your point, if you don't have an underlying idea of what your body is for, you might do certain things for your body out of different impulses and they could mean different things, right? Like if you're like, look, I mean, I would say I want to exercise and be healthy. Yeah. I want to be like attractive. I, you know i want him to make an effort too. whatever like we make an effort yeah um but i want to be around for my kids and my grandkids so like taking care of my physical health is really important because i want to be um around for those that's important to me um so it's not like we wouldn't be like oh it's bad to work out and it's not bad no. to work out it could become a bit ba- i mean it could become a bad thing it in and of itself is working out a bad thing no but if that becomes like you're all out purpose and life is like perfecting your body. I don't know.
0: I think the, I think the thing we're getting to, we're kind of shifting into what, what the body's for yeah. and the idea of working backwards. What is how you live your life about the body tell you what you think your body's for? So if you're obsessed with eating and, you know, seeking pleasure and sex or, you know, getting runner's highs all the time or, you know, whatever it is, What is what is how you take care of your body tell you about what you think life is for? That's a deep question. So I I struggle with eating like I know that I eat out of boredom like yesterday, Kate and I record we meet at a midpoint and I have like a four and a half hour drive. I was literally sitting and thinking about when can I stop and get fast food because I often eat fast food on road trips. And I was like, I'm going to be at my destination in an hour and a half. I can make it. I don't need to eat. I'm eating because I'm bored and I want to break up my trip. But that's all the time. Like, I I think that way, like, or I'm stressed. So I eat. So what is the point of life? What is the body for? Like, you know, okay. It's about, you know, satisfying needs and urges of the body. Like this is what life is is directed toward. You know, I'm like, okay, that's interesting to me. I don't think about that a lot. And that sounds like a major buzzkill. But I think the way we maintain the body and treat our body has direct lines to what we think life is about and what is valuable in life.
1: And in some ways a little bit, and I, I don't think that you're saying that people shouldn't take pleasure. Like I think our body no. actually, yeah, I think our body, I think about it, I'm like, oh, like there's a reason that God designed sex to work the way that it does for food to taste good like we could have been designed to eat like pellets or something right so you kind of look at it and you're like okay like i've got this great i i think that's actually there's a um a book i really like called growing strong daughters by lisa McMinn. and one of the points she makes in that book about her daughters is she's like i really try to talk in particular to my daughters about what your body can do like your body like I don't want to talk about what your body should look like but like you can climb mountains with these legs we can oh if we do this we'll be able to do you know if we run we're going to be able to do that hike that we want to do in Colorado or um you know your body is can give you such pleasure like eating can be such pleasure like just some of those things so I think that again Dave to your point like yeah it's about what do you think your body is for and if part of it is like to help you do things like your your body, I have to be around. I have to have a physical body to be present to my children. Um, I will say that, um, as a woman who's given birth to two kids and has nursed them, that gave me a whole other understanding that I didn't have of my body. I will tell you, um gosh, I'll get like emotional thinking about it. I am a lot more gracious towards my body since I had two kids. it doesn't look the same. I probably never will look exactly the same, but there is no more. Not just the act of uh, carrying a child and giving birth to a child, for me, the experience of like feeding my children, like nursing was a really powerful experience. And that made me just look at my body in a whole new way and have just like an amazing, kind of almost an awe of the system that's designed, right? Like, gosh, these, not only did I produce these children, but like I'm producing food that's feeding. I don't know. I mean, not to get too far into it, it's just that is also a powerful experience of like, okay, what was my body, um, what can my body do? Um, And that helps you, I think, to take yourself out of the, not to stop caring about what your body looks like. Because again, if like our bodies are designed for pleasure and we were designed to be attracted, there's different um, ranges. People, there's no one, you know, you're going to be attracted to different women than someone You could find things attractive in a woman that someone else might not find attractive. Like there's like a range there, but there, we are designed, uh, you know, to be attracted um, to other bodies. That's part of how we're designed. So that has to be part of it
0: yeah this is yeah this is interesting i think that uh it has to be part of it and it gets it gets to me toward deeper purposes of like what what is kind of a model and understanding of what life is about and how the body fits into that you know in christianity i think we you know we have the the doctrine of the trinity and a lot has been written about this recently exactly for this purpose, thinking about how the Trinity works. So if you don't know, the Christian doctrine of the Trinity is the idea that God is is one God in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And I can't explain all that, not because we don't have time. I just can't explain all that. Like, There's been a lot of debate about that as well, but this has been sort of appropriated as a model for understanding how love works and how the body works. And the idea is that all three persons of the Trinity are always sort of giving in love to each other, always pouring out. So the idea is that you're giving first, but you receive also, you know, uh, so you need both. But I think we've inverted that and a lot of a lot of rhetoric, even inside the church, I think of, I'll rabbit trail for a second, but even the idea, you hear a lot about self-protection and guarding your heart and things like that is a big thing in purity culture as well that we talked about in the other episode in this series we didn't really get into that but the idea of guarding your heart um that means like setting up you know i'm not saying boundaries are bad obviously there are people who are toxic and can do negative things but the idea that uh if you're guarding your heart uh too much you can sort of get into the idea that you you're basically you don't need to give out love or anything you should basically people other people will prove themselves to you and and who, who warrants, you know, letting in and being intimate with and extending your love to? And that's not a biblical understanding, I don't think. So the, the model of the Trinity is, is such that it reminds us, I think, with our body, we are supposed to be primarily giving in love. Like, this is the idea. We're, we're meant to be givers and receivers by virtue of other people giving back as well. Everybody's supposed to do this. That's how it works. But where it becomes to be a problem is when you use your body to sort of like not think of your body that way, where it's meant to be a passive recipient or a receiver of things and entitled, an entitled piece of us. Um, and that is where I think that there's a, a whole series of of sermons that got recorded in a huge uh, series of books or a large bound book by the late Pope John Paul II called Theology of the Body. And this has been pretty formative in my thinking. Um, and that sets your body on a different footing, um, also, because also embedded in, in the model of the Trinity then is the idea of solitude. So we know that we have a crisis of loneliness in our culture. And when you make the body and you separate your body from your spirit or your soul that's in, in, inside of you that you don't commingle those. And remember in that ideal we were talking about, Kate, like that the body and spirit are separate, that leads toward isolation. It means that you can have your physical body in a space with other 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 people or things, and still the spiritual reality is you can come away from that not feeling like you're seen, right? Not feeling like your body was there, but it didn't register as you, right? You were missed. And if you're looking too much to receive, you might have too high of an expectation of what it means to be seen, but you might also be like, okay, I'm you know giving in love would be like, okay how present was i how did i show up in that and you could also be around people if everybody goes around thinking they're supposed to receive things if everybody's guarding their heart to use the evangelical parlance what kind of world is that it's a pretty lonely one and we understand from, from the bible even in the in the, the genesis myth you know that you know adam was alone when he was you know by himself and he wasn't alone right and if, in a, a physical sense he had animals around him he had nature he had beauty the garden was supposed to be pretty idyllic. Where did it come from in his body that it, his, his reality wasn't just a bodily one? You know, his body was meant to be attached at a deeper level to something other than animals. Right. So that's also something that really makes me think, you know, solitude is not what the body is for. We're not meant to be like in solitude.
1: I mean, that's probably why they use solitary confinement as a form of like extreme, right? Like that's yeah. the thing that they say is like really cruel. Like you can't be in solitary confinement for a long time because you're just not meant to live that way. You can't, humans right. are not meant to survive in that yeah. situation.
0: Yep. And and the, and we can get the prognosis and diagnosis wrong or whatever. We can, well, you know, we typically would say, we, you need to love yourself more or, you know, and it's not bad. I think it just gets to the point where it's like, Mostly where we feel most fulfilled is the donating of love. It can be the most tiring as well, but most people feel isolated because they don't feel like they belong anywhere. And that is not a passive thing. It's, it's supposed to be back and forth. What I'm saying is that the posture of what the body is for is sort of like a recipient of experiences and pro, you know proactive attempts of love and engagement toward you. If everybody has that, I think of it this way. Kara and I often, is, this came to me in, our, in my 20s actually. You ever notice, Kate, that there, Kate is really good at inviting people to do things. There are some people who tend to invite more and some people who tend to get invited more. Now, ultimately, that sucks. That is not fair, right? Everybody should be inviting people to do things and some people get lazy and just get invited to do things and you can kind of fall that into your dynamic. You might think, oh, you know, these set of friends we always initiate, right? Or you might always initiate sex, or you might always, whatever it is with your partner, whatever it is. You know, it's nice when there's back and forth. Like, we treat our bodies as if they're that way, too, sometimes. Like, where it's like, oh, you know, like, I should just be, everything should be initiated toward my body. My body should receive things. And that self-protection actually can be one of the things that walls you off from your humanity a lot. We are meant to give outward now, this has its abuses as well, and I think there's been that pendulum swing you've talked about. We've seen the abuses of the body so much, especially along gender lines, you know, where people have said, well, women have just been subjects for so long and have, you know, given love and not received back, and that's completely wrong as well. But we don't want the pendulum to swing the other way. This is like my my sex and the city rant, where basically that, from what I saw of the show, I thought it was kind of a shitty show. but. Uh, it it was like, if, if women would just act like men, the world would be better. Like the, the worst conception of men. I'm like, well, that's not right. Like, you know, let's let's go uh, there. Let's like take the power abusing sort of like, you know, get whatever you can profiteering, take advantage of view of, of, of how to use your body and weaponize your body for personal gain and influence, you know? The idea in Christianity is that our body and life is, has been given to us as a gift. Like, the idea of salvation is that Christ donated his life for ours. And being made in the image of God is that, that donative love. We're supposed to donate and give uh, without conditions. Now, obviously, if somebody is abusive, we may have to, like, bring that love somewhere else. You know, that's not the right condition if somebody's—it works when somebody's giving back, right? But making the demand with the body or living life as if you know you know, you have to earn, we end up ultimately kind of lonely, I think, and I think that li- you know at its root, our body is for giving love, not like in a sexual sense, but that as well. Um, so I don't know if that, if that makes sense, but I think that's kind of the right footing to sort of understand where we go wrong with what the body is for like you know
1: yeah if you think of your body as i I think that that would actually help like if you think of your body as both giving and both giving and receiving and again like the care of of that body is important it's it's there's not one way i think that all you know you can't i think that's part of the problem of people just will look and say well this is what's going on i think We tend to make snap judgments or like uh, look at people and say, well, they look this way or their body looks this way. So we make a whole bunch of judgments about them. Right. Like you might see a person who's heavier set and think like, oh, my gosh, that's a lazy." you know, like we we judge based on like appearances. And then um, so I think you're right. Anyways, I think that it makes a lot of sense. And that's a really beautiful way to think about it as we should be giving and receiving with our bodies and sort of having like a respect. And a reverence for people's bodies no matter which way they they look. If that makes sense, like I think that would go a long way. Like you can have your own theology of the body about how you're treating yours and you're giving and receiving, but also I think everybody could do with like a little dose of like generosity and grace towards other people's bodies. Um and I'm saying that I guess specifically as a woman who's again, Dave, I'm not saying that that men don't deal with the, uh, a lot of those issues. I think that they very much do, but I think in our culture it's been somewhat strong more strongly directed towards women Um.
0: yeah it's it's interesting even to think about the role of work I mean it's it maybe is fading away a little bit but what is the ideal when it comes to work people are like how can I retire by the time I'm 40 like we have a real sort of conception that the body is meant for other things right work is like a real bummer uh, injustice like you know I am meant to like you know the baby boomer version, like I should be playing golf in Arizona or Florida, right. and it's like, is that what your body's for? Like is that, right. like it's a is real, that
1: all you? Yeah, like is that all you can give uh, with that? Like that's the end of it. Like at just, that point, you're just
0: receiving. It's a consumer mentality, right? Like you know, the idea that we're primarily consumers has big implications for the body. So we we binge on food and experience and sex. And what do we leave behind? We, you know, like, well, people benefit in capitalism from our consumption, right? If we pay money, then other people can live and do the same thing. But apparently, or at some point, it runs dry, right? You can only suck so much out of life until life sucks, you know?
1: That's a bumper sticker.
0: Yeah, I know. <laughs> goodness well, I, we should have a side marketing gig here
1: we really we really should you come up with it i'll market it
0: and you can just we'll, we'll call it king of the phrases <laughs> well sing there's, his praises he's yeah. the king of the phrases
1: <laughs> king of the phrases and praises um well you know i don't think we i don't think we fully answered the question of what a theology of uh for a theology of the bottle but hey if pope whatever whatever took how many volumes to do it, Dave? I think we did pretty good he for them. sermons
0: for like five years or something on it in the late 70s and early 80s.
1: Well, I will just say that, again, I, I think I've mentioned here before that I work in Catholic schools for a Catholic um, university. Um, I went to a party once where I made some fudge for this party, and a priest was eating it, and he goes, who made this? And someone was like, oh, Kate made it. He goes, ah. She's a closet Catholic. She's not Protestant. They don't eat great. they're they're not decadent like this. This is not Protestant fudge. This is Catholic fudge. But you know what? There was something a little bit to that where I thought where I was like,, uh, I do appreciate the physicality that comes in. I think that Catholics might have a lot to teach us, and you
0: gave them that, right? You gave you know, something you donated, right? That was that was beautiful. There, there you go. I mm-hmm. was giving,
1: not just receiving. or well, did you charge money? No, I didn't charge money. I'm, I'm just I, kidding. <laughs> well anyways we're, we're out of time there's much much more that we could say and who knows this may come up as, as a topic again because I think there's more to say about it but um, in the meantime we hope that you learned something or or we provoked some thoughts about what bodies are for and I hope that gives you some energy and maybe a little joy in your daily life as you go forward. Thanks for being with us Life well, is not a sequence program from the sky well,
0: it's a story If you have questions, you can email us at podcast at more than this dot site. You can also leave comments on the show entry at facebook.com forward slash more than this pod.